Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. The podcast itself is going. Perfect. So what I want to make sure I point out to you this evening is where you can find the podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and you can see my screen here. So every Friday, every Friday at 830, as soon as our podcast is our presentation, our study is over here, the pod, there's a new podcast that comes up. This for you guys, it will be a past podcast. So it's something that we've already covered in our Bible study. But every Friday, the goal is every Friday at 830, it drops, you know, systematically. Uh, so I, I actually do devotional thoughts and things throughout the week for different folks. I record them and then I end up putting them on the podcast. So you can see this was last um, last Friday we dropped this. And so this Friday at 8.30, it will come again. You can find it on our Podbean uh, there. So I just wanted to guys to be aware of that. Also, some folks have asked, how can you support? So I'll put this here. You can always go to our website, thetacoa.org. And we have some announcements regarding Tacoa here uh, in a few days. It's or yeah, a few weeks actually, we have some exciting announcements coming. But here you can find our website. And when you go to this website, you can go to this donate page. And normally it pops up fairly quickly, but I think I'm using a lot of bandwidth because it's streaming. So you can donate here. And uh, we're always in the process of doing beautiful things here on the campus. And we're right now in renovation mode, so everything you give will definitely help in that regard, but you can give this way as well. So I'm only showing you this because folks have asked. And so I am sharing with you how you can, how you can give. All right. Welcome everyone. Happy Sabbath to Charles and Esther. Welcome Rachel all the way from Singapore. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Arlen Falcon. Welcome to our study. Uh, you guys are all welcome. Galaxy A10, I don't know your name, but I know the tag there. So welcome to our study this evening. We are going to be delving into a character that you all know, and you actually may have heard me talk about him before, but repetition is the mother of learning. When I was going over it this morning, uh, I said, I have to share this one, you know, because, you know, I just felt like this is necessary you know, for this time in which we live. We are definitely living in challenging times and we as persons are being challenged on every front. So let's get ready to do that. So let's have a word of prayer. And let's ask God's Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Father in heaven, we wanna thank you so much for your grace, your mercy. We wanna thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. Lord, we're living in some precarious times, some troubling times. And when I say troubling times, sometimes we're thinking outside 
in the world. But Father, there are troubling times even within our own homes. So we ask, Lord, for the gift of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us a peaceable heart and a peaceable mind, that you give us strength and wisdom, that you will teach us how to go in and come out, how to overcome, Lord, as the enemy presses up against us. We love you, Father. We ask that you teach us to love you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as some of you know, those of you who are in the Zoom, those of you who are watching on Facebook, please feel free to share this as often as you will to as many as you, you desire. Um, and those of you who are here in this platform, if you can take, if you have access to Facebook right now, real quick, feel free to share also on Facebook and just spread the word. Instagram, I don't care how it goes, but the whole thing is to share as much as possible. There's so much negativity in our world today. And I just want to make sure that we spread as much gospel and positivity uh, in our community so that others can be encouraged and transformed. So tonight, we are going to be studying the subject matter, Little Foxes. Now, it's part of the series of Learning to Love God. Please don't think we're departed from that. We actually have three more sessions. I believe we have three more sessions after this until this series is over. And before I do this, oh, yes, thanks for thanks to the Holy Spirit for reminding me. Before I do this, I need to take a quick poll, a quick poll if you're listening to this on Facebook or if you're watching right here in the Zoom platform, I need to take a quick poll. So I'm going to, when we're done with this in about three weeks, uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a break from presenting and I need to prepare to do another series. So I want to ask you guys, those who come to my to the study every Friday night, um, if I were to choose a subject, what would the subject, what subject would you like me to cover if I were to choose one? So I was thinking, okay, we can do the sanctuary. We can do Daniel. We can do Revelation. Uh, what subject would you like me to cover? Throw it in the chat. What, what is something that you would like me, like us, to cover as a group? Any ideas before we delve into the subject for tonight? Any ideas? Anything that you think? Daniel Revelation? Okay. Yes, I always love Daniel Revelation. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Sanctuary. Yes, I love sanctuary. You know, they're all really intertwined, everything, but just the perspective of how you come to it is different depending on, you know, the subject matter, but they're all intertwined. Anyone else? What subjects do you think we should cover? I said Daniel, Revelation, online ministry, how to do an online ministry. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's, that's interesting. How to keep the Sabbath and what it means. Okay. Daniel Revelation. Got another Daniel Revelation. Good, good, good. And Galaxy A10, we may need to chat offline and just see what you what you're looking to do as far as online ministry. I mean, online ministry can be as simple as you just do a Facebook Live and go in. You can set up times for posting. Uh, there's different things you could do. There's uh yeah, we could talk about it. I mean, I haven't actually, I've actually thought about it, but I haven't thought, thought, thought about it. So we could, we should probably definitely as a group, since we're studying together, do something where it becomes more strategic and intentional for sure. Any other ideas? Well, these are all great ideas. These are all great ideas. I love it. I love it. 
So I'm going to keep this in store. Those of you who are on Facebook, I don't have, I need another screen so I can see what's going on on Facebook so I can see what folks are saying there. Give me a second, see if I can see if anyone said anything on Facebook. And go from there because I want to make sure that we are, when I go, when I go into the lab, when I, when I disappear for a little while, I'm going to be working by God's grace, you know, so I'm going to be working. All right. All right. So let's just dig in. Let's go to work. Little foxes, little, 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 little foxes. I want to want you to open your Bibles with me, open your Bibles with me to the book of Judges. To the book of Judges. Now, this this story I have covered before. I've preached on it before. Every time I teach on it, my heart burns within me. But I know, I know that it's a word from God. In Judges chapter 13, Judges chapter 13, and we're beginning at verse number one. Judges chapter 13 and beginning at verse number one. The Bible says, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. And before I keep reading, I just want to pray one more time. I really want God's spirit to really just captivate our hearts and our minds, especially as we're going into the Holy Sabbath. Father, again, I just want to pause for a moment and acknowledge our need of you. Acknowledge the reality that we are not what we should be. Holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. Uh-oh. It stopped broadcasting on Facebook Live. Let's do this. I'm going to broadcast it through this way. Very interesting. Not sure why I did that. So I'm, uh, I'm going to have to do that. You guys, I'm probably going to have to increase the bandwidth at the, at the uh, institution here. So keep that in, keep that in prayer because not exactly sure why it just stopped streaming through my other platform. All right. So we just, we got it from multiple ways now. We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. Multiple ways. All right. So here it is. Judges chapter 13, verse 1. It says, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. Now, I thought this is interesting because when I study the Bible, I observe. I'm looking and observing. I'm looking to see what the scriptures are highlighting. What I noticed as I'm reading is that the woman doesn't have a name. I mean, it's not 
it's not here in the scriptures, right? It's not here in the scriptures. The woman doesn't have a name. Okay. But we know the man's name. His name is Manoah. The Bible highlights that she is barren. Okay. And now verse three says, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. So I know that the Bible is taking time to highlight. The Bible is taking time to highlight. Recording in progress. <laughs> so many things. So the Bible is taking time to highlight that this woman does not have the ability to, to procreate, but that there is a supernatural intervention to unlock her womb. Okay. There's a supernatural intervention to unlock her womb. Now, the Bible goes on to say, verse 4, Now, therefore, beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. Well, why? Why is the angel saying this? For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, for a moment, my friends, I want you to use your sanctified imagination as you are looking at the scripture. Use your sanctified imagination as you are looking at the scripture. Now, here's the woman. She cannot bear a child. A stranger appears unto her, tells her that she's going to have a child, and then tells her your whole diet and your whole lifestyle has to adjust for this child and know that this child is special. That's, that was the instruction. Your child is special. She's not, he, you're not just having any old child. This child has a, a, a calling and a responsibility on his life. So I'm watching the text. I reading the text and when I was younger, I didn't notice this. Like normally when I read about the story of Samson, I saw the story of Samson. I understood the story of Samson, but I didn't get the, the key point. You know what the key point was in this passage? Do you notice that the woman who had this responsibility was called into a sacred duty, therefore putting Samson in a position where he literally, technically, didn't have a choice. In Numbers chapter 6, go to Numbers chapter 6, and you're going to see something that you may or may not have seen before. In Numbers chapter 6, and beginning at verse number 1, notice what the law of the Nazarites is. Notice what the law of the Nazarites is the bible says and the lord said unto moses saying speak unto the children of israel and say unto them when either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a nazarite to separate themselves unto the lord he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes nor eat moist grapes or 
dried. Hmm. I find that to be interesting. There's instruction here and notice that the person would separate themselves, meaning that they had a choice. Does that make sense? Like they separate themselves unto the Lord. They make a vow unto the Lord. They consciously make this decision. And the decision is no, no thing from the vine, nothing moist from any grapes, right? Now watch what else it says in verse number four. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree from the kernels even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in the which he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. So there was a time limit. So they could separate themselves unto the Lord for a time. You follow? So there was a limit. And as long as they were in that devout time, that's how long they were to be there. And that's how long they were to function. And during that time frame, nothing from the vine, no kernel from the vine, no haircut during that time. Okay, stay with me. This verse six says, all the days that he separated himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. He shall not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother, for his brother or for his sister when they die. So even going to funerals, he couldn't go and cry over the body and couldn't do that. Watch, because the consecration of his God is upon his head. Keep it now. Keep this thought. All the days of his separation, he is holy unto the Lord. And if a man die very suddenly by him, and he that de and he have defiled the head of his consecration, then he shall shave his head in the day of his, what's it say? In the day of his cleansing, on the seventh day shall he shave it. Now, man, my friends, I don't know if you see Bible stories the way I do, but I tell you the truth. I see this story clearly. I see the principles that is being laid out clearly. <laughs> and here, in order for the Nazarite to be clean, if he was unclean, he had to have his head shaved. And on the eighth day, he shall bring two turtles and two pigeons to the priest, to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering and make atonement for him that he, for that he sinned by the dead and shall hollow his head that same day. And he shall consecrate unto the Lord the days of his separation and shall bring a lamb the first year for a trespass offering, but the days that were before shall be lost because his separation was defiled. This is the law of the Nazarite when the days of a separation are fulfilled. Boom. Now, with that context, we go back to the story of Samson. Okay? With that context, we go back to the story of Samson. Watch carefully. 
Let me see here. Oh, someone says shaved on the Sabbath. No, it doesn't mean that it's shaved on the Sabbath. It just means from the from the seventh day, from the time that it was unclean and he had his hair shaved, it went for seven days. Whether that ended on the Sabbath or not depends when he was defiled and when he had his hair shaved, right? So just keep that in mind. All right, and there's nothing wrong with cleansing on the Sabbath. Just saying. All right, let's keep going. Let's go a little bit further with this. Going back to Judges chapter 13. Back to Judges chapter 13. And look at the story with this view in mind, okay? With this understanding. When I was little, all I did was focus on Samson. Do you realize that not only Samson was a Nazarite, but his mother for a time also had taken this vow during the time of her pregnancy? You follow? It wasn't forever. She had to do this while she was pregnant with her child. Now watch. Keep this in mind. It says verse number verse number five. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no raven shall, shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, a man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no drink, no wine, nor, dr nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. To the day of of his death now friends keep this in mind samson when he was born didn't have a choice he was born into his calling he was born to be a nazarite from the womb until his death normally the nazarite vow was someone could do it for a time nine months 31 days six months whatever the time frame was there was a limit they chose to and they chose when it ended not so with Samson. I'm going to propose to you right now, I'm going to throw it to you right now, that Samson resented his calling. Samson resented and did not value his calling. Now, let's work it through. Now, I found it interesting also as I'm going through the study that the woman doesn't have a name. And then when she tells her husband, the husband doesn't really, the husband's like, I hear you, but I want to meet the dude myself, right? So it reads, verse number eight, then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God, which thou didst sin, come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. That's right. Just like Esau, right? Teach us what we should do unto the child. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the, what's it say? Unto the woman. So even though the man prayed, God still honored the nameless woman. Are you following what I'm saying? Because the onus of the responsibility is placed on her as far as how the child is to be instructed and to be trained. And he focused back on her. And then when she gets the message again, she goes to her husband. Hey, husband, here's the man. 
So he goes and gets the man, and the Bible goes on to say, verse number, verse 12. And Manoah said, now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order order the child, and how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Now, normally after I, when I do this presentation, I pause here and I talk about the importance of motherhood. And I talk about the importance of being an example, not just in word, but in action and lifestyle, right? But this morning, as I was talking to a group of young missionaries who were seeking to start a ministry, I talked about this idea of birthing, right? If you're about to birth something, if you're about to birth a child, whatever you do, whatever music you listen to, whatever food you're eating, whatever environment you're in is going to affect the child that is being uh, uh, birthed inside, right? That is being developed inside of you. So I think about this in this in this vein. If you are seeking to minister to others, Ministry comes from the inside out. You have to be sure of what you're allowing yourself to hear, what you're allowing yourself to taste, what you're allowing yourself to touch, because what you do will be birthed and impact other people. Are you following what I'm saying? So she had to be aware. She had to be careful. She had to be careful for the child. The fruit of her womb was going to be an impact in her whole society. And so it is with us. What are we birthing? What are we developing? And if we're developing the way God would want us to develop, we have to be careful. There's a song we used to sing when we were little. I don't know if you remember this, or maybe you never sang it, but I know we sang it. It says, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Huh? You know that song? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above, he is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see, right? Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. You know that song? I know you know that song. I know that song, right? Those were the things that were put before me because what I beheld, you become. What you eat, you become. What you what you behold, what you watch, you begin to reflect in your life. So she's given instruction, special instruction for a special child that had a special, special mission. But let's go a little bit further with this. Somehow, some way, and if you look at the story, you'll see that this angel is no ordinary angel. This angel actually goes up in the fire back up to God, right? So we know that this angel was no ordinary angel. This was, in fact, the pre-incarnate Christ that was visiting with this, this small family. But I want to jump past that, and I want to get to verse 24. Oh, before I jump past that, the reason why I think this is also important, because the messenger that spoke to her, the instruction that was given to her was a divine instruction directly from the throne room of God. It wasn't optional. You know what I mean? Like It wasn't like, well, maybe you could do. No, it was clear, direct from the throne of God. God had an intent. God had a purpose for the child. So... It's pretty powerful. It was the testimony of Jesus, literally, <laughs> to the woman and to the husband. Verse 24 says, And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. 
And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Ishtaol. Now, let me see something real quickly here. This is streaming. So that being stated, understand the context now. Special calling, special instruction, particularly given to the woman. We could even do, if we wanted to, as a group, just real quick, if we wanted to, we can look at this. A woman always symbol, symbolizes the church. Here, Mano, here Manoah's wife is a, can be a symbol of the church and what we are birthing in the community. I mean, again, there's so many ways to make application of principle, right? But there's something that happens in parenting that no matter what you do, even if you follow all the instructions of heaven, the children still have to make their own choices. Do you think God gave us children? And if we weren't perfect, <laughs> like in my mind, I used to question this. I'm like, okay, God, you got this child. The Lord gave me a daughter. You put her with me, an imperfect man. You put her with her mother, an imperfect woman. And you want me to raise this child? Knowing that these imperfections lie within me? And the Lord's like, my grace is sufficient. Yeah, we, you know, as parents, our job is to instill principles, is to train. At the end of the day, they still have to make their own choices. They still have to find out what the grace of God is for themselves. Understanding their own weakness. Because if you if you try to bypass that and be God to your child, you're going to end up in a problem, right? Your job is to instruct at the end of the day and demonstrate, not just talk, but live as best as you can, but live intentionally. And they will see, but they still got to make a choice. And notice chapter 14. I, I just, I, chapter 14 of Judges troubled my soul because as an older person now looking at this story, Away from my Bible story set, you know, the big blue books I used to have, and I read the story, I'm like, Samson, yes. Now I'm reading the story in the Bible, I'm like, Samson, no, bro. No, no, Samson, no. <laughs> okay, so watch what the Bible says. Chapter 14, verse 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. So as I'm going through the Bible, the way I study, I study line by line. Anything I don't fully understand, I want to understand. So I looked up Timnath on the map. And you'll notice if you look on the map, and I didn't put the map on the screen, but if you look on the map, Timnath is one of, one of what is considered wine country in Israel. Wine country in Israel, Timnath. So I'm looking at Timnath, and I'm like, why is Samson, first of all, traveling by the, vine, the vines where all the wine is to this woman's house. Why? For what? What is he doing? It, the Holy Spirit began to impress upon me, Andre, Samson is coming as near to what is forbidden as he possibly can. He's not crossing any boundaries yet, but he's coming near to the boundary of what God has restricted him from. Hmm. The Bible says, verse 2, and he came up and told his father and his mother. Now, it doesn't say he came and asked his mom and dad. <laughs> it 
He didn't. It doesn't say he came and said, "Mom, Dad, I've been considering this young lady. I wonder what you think about her." It doesn't say that. It says, "And he came and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in the woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife." Now, who talks like that to their parents? I know some kids that do, but they. They they ain't from my type of community. You don't talk to your go get her for me to wife. I see this go get her for what? What what's happening right now? He's lost his mind. Then he says. Then he says. Then his father and his mother said unto him, "Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, um, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistine? So now they're trying to instruct him. They're trying to teach him in the way of righteousness. He's like, and Samson said unto his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. He ain't listening. He's not listening. Now, I don't know what parenting skills they were using. You would think... They would have a little bit more respect from their child, but the child is in full on. I don't care what you just said. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, I think it's a little different with Jesus because Jesus was talking about his father's business. Samson's not talking about his father's business. He's talking about his own his own business. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying he's he's off the chain a little bit right here. He's he's a little off the chain. Notice what the Bible says. But continuing now in verse number four. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now, when I first read when I first read this passage, verse four. I didn't understand it. Like, I didn't understand. What do you mean? But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. It was of the Lord that he would choose someone that was not of his faith. What do you mean by this? And my friends, when I got the, when I, when I got the answer, I was blown away. Watch what I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to prove it to you later. So here's what I'm going to tell you. God is going to fulfill his will through us one way or the other one way or the other god is going to be glorified one way or the other the book of romans talks like this as well one way or the other he's going to be glorified the question is what way are you going to allow him to work through you for his will to be accomplished okay because at the end of the day the objective was how can I save Israel? I'm going to raise up a leader that's going to help me deliver Israel from the Philistines. One way or the other, God's going to do this, and he's going to do it in a miraculous way. Now, Samson is in rebellion, and God is still using him. Watch. Watch. I'm going to show you. you I'm going to show you. Watch this. It says, then went Samson down, verse 5, and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards 
of Timnath. Now my mind's like, why do they keep talking about the vineyards? Because it's showing you how close he's coming to violating his, his own vow. It says, and behold, a young lion roared against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. So pause for a moment. Why is the Bible emphasizing? Why is the Bible emphasizing that he's not telling his parents? Why is it emphasizing that he's not he's not telling his father? Listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now. If I beat up a lion, I'm coming on Facebook Live and I'm telling you about it. I'm calling my mama, my brother, my, my I don't have a brother, but if my spiritual brother, my my literal sisters, I'm calling my uncle, I'm telling everybody, yo, I just took a lion apart. But there's something going on right here. There's a reason why he's not telling his mom or his dad or anyone about this situation. Watch. Watch. The Bible goes on to say, and he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. Now, I don't want my mind to go too far what that means, but I think I know what that means. Verse 8. And after a time, he turned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. The what of the lion? The carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. Now, again, when I read this as a child, I just thought that was weird. That's just weird. That's just weird. What am I seeing right now? A dead lion inside the lion, inside the carcass of this dead lion. Bees have formed to such an extent where there's honey be, being developed within the carcass of the lion. Now, that imagery all by itself, I haven't fully thought that through, but I'll just want to say right now, in this one moment in time, Samson violates his Nazarite vow. Remember I told you, Nazarite vow was, don't go near the carcass of a dead animal. He's already violated his vow. Now watch, watch what he does, because sin works weirdly on the mind of, of us, my friends. It says, and he took therefore in his hands, and oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, verse, 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 uh, verse eight again. And after a time, he returned to take her and turned aside to see the carcass of the dead lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took therefore in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother. And he gave them and they did eat, but he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of a lion. Do you see it? I never saw, like when I was studying before, I, ne I had never seen it. And as I'm going through line by line, the Holy Spirit's like, see this, Andre? He's eating out of a dead carcass. And when he eats out of the dead carcass, he takes the honey to his parents and then gives them to eat. And they don't say, he don't say a word where he got it from. <laughs> First of all, with all due respect, if you get something out of a dead animal, you should tell somebody about it, okay? 
Your parents should have a right. And I know that honey is, is an antiseptic. I, I get it. But friends, his parents are now partaking of that which he has taken when he has broken his very vow. Okay? Very, very, very interesting. Very interesting. So now, as this is building, you already see that he's a rebel, a rebel and choosing a woman that's not of God, number one. Number two, that you see that he's a rebel by going by the vines. He's coming close to but not touching them. Number three, you see that he's eating out of a dead carcass, right? You see this is just building. It's building. He's already defiled. Listen to me, my friends. We're talking about learning to love God. Samson is already defiled. Now we reach verse 10. Now in verse 10, this is the story of Samson. These guys, he's about to get married to this woman, right? It's seven days of feasting. He tells a riddle. They can't get the riddle. They're about to lose a bet. These guys can't stand to lose a bet. So what do they do? Watch what the Bible says. Verse 12, and Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If ye can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. <laughs> but if ye cannot declare it to me, then shall ye give me 30 sheets and 30 change of garments. And they said unto him, put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. And he said unto them, out of the eater came forth meat. And out of this strong came forth sweetness, and they could not in three days expound the riddle. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to unto Samson's wife, Entice thy, hus entice thy husband, entice thy husband, that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn thee and thy father's house with fire. He Have ye called us to take that we have is it not so <laughs> now watch what the woman does and samson's wife wept before him and said thou dost but hate me and lovest me not thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people and has not told it to me and he said unto her behold i have not told it my father or my mother and shall i tell thee and she wept before him the seven days now my friends i don't know about you but First of all, I don't like my wife crying. And if she crying for seven days, I I don't know. That's a lot of crying. That's a lot of crying. Whether it's seven days, three days, two days, an hour, two hours, half a day, her, her being upset for me for 24 hours, her being upset at me is just, is, is just discombobulating. Okay? So can you imagine this man, this woman is crying for seven days straight. This is supposed to be a marriage feast, not a marriage funeral. Hmm? Supposed to be a marriage feast and not a marriage funeral. But here, she's crying and it gets to him. It gets to him. So what happens is what this is what happens. She wept and she tells he she tells he tells her, then she goes, tells the men. The men come and tell the riddle. And then watch what verse what happens in verse 19. After he's defiled, friends, after Samson is defiled watch what the bible says and the spirit of the lord came upon him and he went down to ashkelon 
and slew 30 men and took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, kindled and he went up to his father's house. Friends, I, when I read this, I was like, I almost, I literally almost dropped my Bible the first time. I was like, wait, 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 what just happened? Samson, his wife, told the riddle to his enemies. The enemies come and tell him the answer. Samson literally, if you go back to the verse number 18, he calls his wife a heifer. Do you see that? Verse 18, and the men of the city came unto him the seventh day before the sun went down. What is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, if he, if ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. Verse 19, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Did you, are you, am I making this up? I'm not making this up. It's right here in the Bible. This man is not a good dude. This man is a violator of God's, uh, of God. And this man is still given the power of the Holy Spirit to execute a cause because God ultimately had a goal to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And he's using this unclean, defiled man. Stay with me, friends. <laughs> Stay with me. You see, here's the principle that God was teaching my mind. Just because you have the gifts of the Spirit doesn't mean you have the fruit of the Spirit. And just because God can use you in ministry doesn't mean that you are saved in ministry. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm saying that this is a dangerous position, my friends. I'm saying that you, if you're called to work for God, if you're called to represent God, if you're called to live for God, and God will you literally he will use you. He will give you the gift. I have the gift of speaking. I can preach. I can teach. I can do this. This I can do this all day long. But it doesn't mean that I'm a consecrated person. That's why you don't worship preachers or teachers or good instructors because they're charismatic or they teach good word. It means nothing. The Spirit of God can still use them. Praise God. That's why you always give praise to God and never to man. That's why you always give praise to God and never to any other human being we are instruments we are vessels any good thing that comes from us or through us is from god himself but this is very interesting because because samson still has these abilities now skipping ahead a little bit Samson goes and does some other things like tying foxes' tails together and burning down whole farms. And <laughs> so the guy, the Philistines are getting mad, man. They're sending whole armies after him now. So they send a whole army after him. We're going to jump past part of this and for time's sake. They send a whole army after him. And verse number nine, watch what happens. Watch what happens. Verse number nine. The Bible says, Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why are ye come up against us? And they answered, To, to bind Samson are we come up, to do to him as he have done to us. So that's why the Philistines are there. So what does Israel do? Does Israel send a five-man team? Does Israel send a 50-man team? Does Israel send a 100-man team? 
Does Israel send a 200-man team? No. Israel sends 3,000 men. <laughs> Israel sends 3,000 men of Judah to, to the top of the rock to see Samson. The Bible says, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is it that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, As they do unto me, so have I done unto them. Interesting. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that ye will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand. But surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Notice they bind him with two new cords, not one. They figured two was much better to hold this strong man down. And when he had come unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And notice what happens. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that were burnt with fire, and his bands loose from off his hands. In other words, that's an easy way to say he broke them like they weren't even there. The spirit of God comes upon him. And what does he do, my friends? Pay attention to the story. Verse number 15, it says, And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. Now, I'm always paying attention to the text. The text says that he took a new jawbone. It didn't say he took a dried up jawbone. It didn't say he took a, a, a a jawbone that was there for 10 years and it was on the side of the road, it says he took a new jawbone. When I looked up new jawbone, that means it was fresh. It was freshly dead. When, 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 when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he still defiled himself by grabbing something that was freshly dead. And he took that which was freshly dead and he smote and killed a thousand men. A thousand men. Listen, first of all, Again, this is just me me being there, right, in my mind. If you're going to kill, if I'm the other side, if I'm the Philistines, first of all, if I'm the Philistines <laughs> and I see 10 men go down, I'm not fighting this dude. If I'm the Philistines, I see 1,000 men go down. Or not 1,000. I see 100 men go down. I see 200 men go down. I see 300 men go down. What am I doing there? I'm not staying for that fight. I'm out. I mean, wouldn't that be your position? He slays a thousand men with the new jawbone of an ass. Now, my friends, let me let me point out the ways. Let me point out the ways that he has violated his covenant relationship because he is a Nazarite. He is always traveling near the vineyards. He's always seeking out women that have nothing to do with God. He's eating out of carcasses. He's touching things that are unclean. Now to add to this, let me add one more caveat to this part, my friends. One more piece to this. Watch this. In the story, the Bible says in verse number 16, 
after he's beat everybody up, the Bible says, and Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass, have I slain a thousand men. Now, when you read this in the original language, this is him. This is like a song that he's singing. He's not just saying it one time. He's like, it's like a little, you know, he's going at it. I've killed the man with the devil. But nowhere in this song is he praising God. Do you see it? Do you see him praising God here? Anything? Praise God. Thank, thank you, Father, for the spirit to give me the strength to execute. Nowhere in here is he praising God at all. Nowhere. However, you'll notice him cry out to God at a particular point. What is that point? Look at verse 17. It says, and it came to pass when he had an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called that place Ramath Lehi. And he was sore athirst. That means he was very thirsty. And called on the Lord and said, thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Samson, when he's singing his song of praise, is not honoring God per se, not, not outwardly. We don't see it here. He may have been in his heart, not sure. But now when there's trouble, what is he doing? Giving glory to God and asking for help. Let me ask you, do we do that? Do, do we do that? Do you do that? Do I do that? Where... God does something miraculous for us. New job, maybe paid off a bill, whatever, whatnot. I don't know what it is. And we don't give him as much praise and credit that we normally would give if we weren't so self-centered. But when trouble comes, man, we're praying hard to God. And let me just tell you this off top. Ain't nothing wrong with praying hard to God when trouble comes. Even if you find yourself to be the greatest hypocrite, don't ever stop crying out to God when you see something going wrong. But in the times of prosperity, don't forget God either. Don't forget God either. And even though he seems to have this hypocrisy in his experience, God still answers the man's prayer. Verse 19 says, but God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw. And there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Therefore he called the name thereof in Hakor, which is in Lehi unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. Okay. Interesting story so far. Brothers and sisters, this is about to get... I'm, what the Bible is going to emphasize right here is what I've been saying all along. But I think it's going to be extremely clear to you when I'm done. Verse 16, chapter 16, verse 1. Listen to what the Bible says. There went Samson to Gaza. Now, Gaza, why Gaza? Gaza is another place where the vineyards were. And I want you to note also, you'll notice that every time he's going by a vineyard, there's always a woman. So it's almost like the Bible is making a connection between the imagery of, of wine and the, and the experience of a woman, like they're similar to a man, right? Intoxicating. And you'll find that imagery in the book of Revelation. It's like it's, every story connects and it's just so powerful, so powerful. But notice, then went Samson to Gaza 
and saw there a harlot. And he went to give her a Bible study. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No, no, no. It doesn't say he went to give her a Bible study. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her. That's the PG version, my friends. You guys know what happens. And it was told the Gazites saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night saying, in the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. It's very clear what's happening right here. And notice what happens. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them bar and all and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of an hill that is before Hebron. Now, let, let, I'm hoping you're seeing the grace of God in all this, my friends. Do you see what's happening? This man has literally spent the night with a harlot. This man has violated his covenant relationship with God over and over and over again. And he still wakes up with supernatural strength. He still wakes up with the favor of God upon him. He still wakes up with this on him. It doesn't mean he's in a saving relationship, my friends. It just simply means that God is patient and he's long suffering and he's not willing that any should perish no matter how dark their sin is and my friends it started out little the way this started out it didn't start out with him with a harlot it started out with him just going by the vineyards smelling the grapes that's how it started it started out small not big small I'm going to read some stuff to you right now. I'm going to read some stuff to you before I get to the to the crescendo of this matter. Let me let me let me let me read some things to you. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vine. It is the little foxes that spoil the vines, the little neglects, the little deficiencies the little dishonesties, the little departures from principle that blind the soul and separate it from God. It's the little things. It is the little things of life that develop the spirit and determine the character. Those who neglect the little things will not be prepared to endure severe tests when they are, are brought to bear upon them. Remember that the character building is not finished till life ends. Mercy. Every day, a good or bad brick is placed in the structure. You're either building crookedly or with the exactness and correctness that will make a beautiful temple for God. Therefore, in looking for great things to do, neglect not the little opportunities that come to you day by day. He who neglects the little things and yet flatters himself that he is ready to do wonderful things for the master, is in danger of failing altogether. Life is made up not of great sacrifices and wonderful achievements, 
but of the little things. The little things. The little things. And Samson, step by step, progressively ended up far away from his relationship with God because he resented his calling, my friend. He resented that he didn't have a choice when he was born, that he was going to live such a strict life. He resented that there were such rules on his diet and on his dress. He resented that he couldn't go out to clubs and do the movies like everyone else. He resented all the, the, the uniqueness of his calling. And in resenting his uniqueness, he compromised little by little by little until he was intoxicated by woman to the point where his brain no longer functioned. I say his brain no longer functioned because of the next part of the story we're about to read. <laughs> the next part of the story we're about to read, his brain stopped working. You say, Brother Andre, what do you mean? Here we go. We're coming in for the stretch run right here. Pay attention to the story. I hope you're paying attention to the story. The Bible says in verse four, and it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. Now, what's the valley of Sorek? The valley of Sorek is where they had tons of grapevines. I'm telling you, friends, every time a woman is mentioned in this story, there's always grapevines nearby. Watch. And it came to pass afterward that he loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, entice him. Isn't that the same thing they asked of the other wife that ended up getting burned to death? Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth. And by that means we may prevail against him. Mercy. That we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. Doesn't that sound familiar, being betrayed for silver? And Elias said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green whiffs that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as other another man. Wait, 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 wait. What did Samson just do? What is a green with? What is he talking about? He's talking about that stuff that comes from the vines, my friends. He's playing with his covenant relationship. Tie me up. Tie me up with it. He said, um, tie me up with it. See what, if it do anything. He's touched the dead carcass already, right? He slept with people he ain't supposed to be sleeping with. His powers ain't gone nowhere. He's still being, quote unquote, blessed. So you don't really think anything's going to happen because he keeps playing with his blessing. Tie me up. Tie me up with these green whiffs. Let's see if anything's going to happen. So what does he do, my friends? And verse 7 says, And Samson said unto her, If you bind me, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green whiffs, which had not been dried. And she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding in her chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. 
and he break the whiffs as a thread of toe is broken when it's touched when it touches the fire. That means that it was easy, easy work. So his strength was not known. So just, I mean, if you're a logical person, you're just thinking with me right now. If you tell a woman that you're going to be weak if you're tied up, and then she ties you up, you would think to yourself, maybe I shouldn't tell her anything else, right? Because he's playing around. He's So then he tells her again, look at what he says. Verse 10. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thy bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. And Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto her, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber. And he brake them from off his arms like a thread. This man had become so cocky. What is this woman doing? Tied him up two times? Tied him up? The Philistines are, is she joking? Is this prank season? What is she doing? There's something wrong with Samson in his mind, friends. The Bible goes on to say, in verse 13, and Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web, and she fastened it with the pen, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awaked out of his sleep and went away with the pen of the beam and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Mercy! Thou hast mocked me these three times and has not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. <laughs> Are you seeing the story? I hope you're seeing the story in a different light or in a deeper light. He's vexed unto death. Now, every time he's told her, she has done exactly what he said to do. Every time. Verse 17. Then he told her all his heart. He told the wrong woman his heart. And he said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Hmm. Now, my friends, I want you to notice something. I want to say poetic, ironic, intentional. Remember where we read about the Nazarite vow? And we read that if someone shaved their head, that that was actually an act of cleansing. Do you remember we read that? And here, Samson, if he, of course, he's not supposed to cut his hair at all, but if he gets his hair cut, he loses his strength. But understand, Samson had already defiled himself 
over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. You may even say in your mind that he was tired of his covenant relationship and his special calling. You may say in, in your mind that he looked at the wicked and saw how they were prospering and said, they don't have to work as hard as I do for what I have to go through. I don't know what was going on in his mind, but when he told her, he had to know that that woman was going to cut his hair. He had to. He had to. But again, sin and rebellion are strange, my friends. Strange. Verse 18 says, And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she went and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees. Mercy! And she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the locks of his head. Now, my friends, i tell you the truth. I love head massage. It's like the best thing in the world. I go to sleep easy with that. Knocked out. You know, the hair follicles, the stress in there, tension of life. She did that man a head massage, and he was out. Calls a man in, cut his hair off. Cut his hair off. Then the lords of the Philistines. No, no, I'm reading verse, verse 19 now. She made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man and caused him to shave off the locks of his head. And she began to afflict him. She began to afflict him. Not the Philistines. She, the woman, began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. You see what happened to him? And my friends, I dare say this is going to happen to many of God's people if we don't stop playing with our covenant relationship with him. God has separated us from the world, unique to himself, with his three angels' messages, with, with that most holy place experience, with him working a righteous work in our lives. God is doing something special and we wake up every day and we're blessed every day, but no consequence fully has been given. But when it is given, my friends, we wake up and we're going to wake up and think that we're going to move like we did at other times. God is gracious and he's merciful He's long-suffering, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. I don't know how long you've been alive. All those years. And we take his grace for granted. Mercy. Mercy, Father. I read this story and I I, I almost, I, I internally I have this trembling inside of me because I'm like, Lord, I don't want to play with this thing. I know that the consequence of sin is not immediate. The you cutting me off is not immediate, but then I'm enjoying myself over here. No, Father, please help me to be faithful, not because I, I'm afraid, but because I love and I realize the grace of God upon me. 
I'll come to your hand when we're almost done, brother, brother Carter, sister Carter. I'll come to your hand in a minute. I want you to think, friends. Look at this. Look at this. Real greatness. I'm going to read, read a couple of things to you here. Notice what, what inspiration says here. An inspired word. God's promise that through Samson he would begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines was fulfilled. But how dark and terrible the record of that life which might have been a praise to God and a glory to the nation. Notice, had Samson been true to his divine calling, the purpose of God could have been accomplished in his honor and exaltation. But he yielded to temptation and proved untrue to his trust. And his mission, listen to this, and his mission was fulfilled in defeat, bondage, and death. Mercy. Mercy, friends. Physically, Samson was the strongest man upon the earth, but in self-control, integrity, and firmness, he was one of the weakest of men. Many mistakes, strong passion for a strong character. But the truth is that he who is mastered by his passions is a weak man. Mercy. Notice the real greatness of the man is the measured. I'm sorry. The real greatness of the man is measured by the power of the feelings that he controls not by those that control him. Y'all get that? The real greatness of the man is measured by the power of the feelings that he controls, not by those that control him. Mercy. Now, here's the interesting part of the story. Or more interesting, Samson is captured. He's captured. The Bible says that they take his eyes out and they put him in prison. Verse 21, but the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Now, watch what's going to happen. This is what I'm talking about. This is the power and the grace of God, my friends. Watch this. How be it? The hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The hair is simply a symbol. What it is? What is it? It's a symbol. A sign. Just like you and I, we keep the Sabbath. It's a sign. It's not... There's no power in and of itself in the day. The Sabbath is a sign. What is it a sign of? It's a sign of a relationship with the Most High, that you are resting in his righteousness. That's what it's a sign of. And when Samson's hair is growing back, it's simply a symbol. Just like when I read, when you read that his eyes were taken out, do you know that Samson's eyes were already taken out? His spiritual eyesight was already gone. His spiritual understanding and his awareness had been gone for years. When he has his eyes taken out, it was already a, a, a spiritually blinded person. Now watch what happens. 
while his eyes are taken out, his spiritual eyesight become, begins to develop. The Bible says, verse 22, how about, how be it? The hair of his head began to grow again after he had shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a sacrifice, a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. For they said, O our God have delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Now, is that true? Did the Dagon God deliver Samson? No, it's not true. And if you look up the Dagon God, he was the fish God. Again, these are very interesting. They're, they're the ones that have that thing. You know how the Pope wears that hat on his head, that miter? That miter looks like the little fish mouth thing. That comes from the same pagan philosophy. So notice, I love the imagery here, man. Notice. And when the people saw him, they, no, no, yeah. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God hath delivered us, delivered into our hands, our enemy. And, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry, that they said, call for Samson, that he may, that we may make sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house and he made them sport and they set him between the pillars. Oh, I love that, my friends. They set him between the pillars. They set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the house of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord, remember me, I pray thee. Now, Friends, I want you to understand something. All these words cannot fully express what's transpiring in the heart of this person. When Samson is praying this prayer, this prayer has been building over time. His hair has been growing back. His spiritual eyesight has been developing. He is beginning to realize where his strength comes from. Because before he just thought it was all him somehow. He's taking glory to himself, but now he's acknowledging. What does he acknowledge? O Lord, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once. O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on the which it was born, uh, of the top with his right hand and, of the, and the other on his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were therein. So that, so the dead when he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and his sister and everybody came to bury him. What a story. This man by choice accepts his calling at the end. And at the very end, he demonstrates the power of God in a way in his death that he never was able to do in his entirety of his life. But can you imagine what could have been if in his life he had simply yielded to God from the beginning? You and I have an opportunity now. I mean, we're not under that great duress. There's no great mocking of us before the masses. We don't have to put our hands between any pillars. But I'd say, my friends, we need to get on our knees. We need to ask God, for forgiveness, for wasting 
years and precious time. If, if we're all honest with ourselves, if we're all honest with ourselves, we have at times wasted moments where God could have been glorified and honored and praised in every aspect of our lives, whether it's our finances or our family or our church or our community or our physical health or in every aspect, friends, we can give more praise and more honor to God. And, I say, and this is not about, I'm afraid that I'm going to, no, it's more like, has not God done great things for us? Has he not blessed us? Don't we have abundance in spaces and areas where, where we normally would not have abundance? Can we not see that God is good? Yes, my friends, God is good. He is patient and he is merciful to us. I want you to notice this. Notice this, my friends. I'm going to, we're going to close this out. The very ones whom God purposes to use as his instruments for a special work, Satan employs his utmost power to lead astray. He attacks us at our weak points, working through defects in the character to gain control of the whole man. And he knows that if these defects are cherished, he will succeed. But notice what I highlighted in red, my friends. Notice what I highlighted in red. But none need be overcome. Hallelujah. None need be overcome. Why? Well, because, notice, man is not left alone to conquer the power of evil by his own feeble efforts. Help is at hand and will be given to every soul who really desires it. So my question is, do you really desire it? I mean, do you desire it more than gold and silver? Do you desire it more than your desire to be to, to hang out with your wife or to your husband? Do you desire God more than anything else? Inspiration says, angels of God that ascend and descend the ladder, which Jacob saw in his vision, will help every soul who will to climb even to the highest heaven. Praise the Lord. This is what God promises to do for us. We don't need to fight in our own strength. It is a supernatural strength given to God's people to fight against the one that hates us so much. So my friends, I challenge you. Those who are in the way of our duty, those who are in the way of duty are brought into trial, may be sure, may be sure that God will preserve them. But if men willfully place themselves under the power of temptation, they will fall, what's it say, sooner or later. God help us. God is so good. He chases us and loves us. He doesn't leave us. He blesses us. He gives us spiritual blessing. He gives us the gifts of the spirit. He gives us the promptings of the spirit. But my friends, it is no substitute for the fruit that needs to be manifested of the spirit in our lives. What a deep and profound thought. What a deep and profound application of the truths that we find in Scripture. So 
So I challenge you, my friends. I, I, I want to challenge you. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about your relationship with God. I want you to ask yourself the honest question. And you don't have to answer me, you know, but you do. And you must be honest with yourself with God. Because literally, my friends, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? The answer is God knows the heart. He tries the reins. You and I don't even understand the depths of our own craziness. Only he can. Only he will. How many understood our study? If you understood your study, just type in amen or yes. If you understood our study tonight, solemn thoughts. Let's have a word of prayer as we close out. Father in heaven, just want to thank you for your grace and mercy. Want to thank you, Father, for again, never giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. Lord, you see us, you see those who are listening via Zoom, Facebook, YouTube, whatever recording. Father, you see us, you know us, you know us. Those who are listening to pot, you know us. There's nothing hid from you, Lord. There's nothing hid from you. There's no need to play games with you. No need to hide from you. And you still seek us out. You still love us. You still pursue us. And the plan of salvation will still work out one way or the other. <laughs> Lord, help us to take advantage of what you are providing for us. Please, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your dear son. And we pray, Father, that we don't just receive the gift of the Spirit, but may you truly have a residing place in our hearts that the fruit may be manifest and that folks may be able to taste and see that you are good and that your name can be exalted. We pray this in Jesus' name and claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.